this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, uh, I have the privilege and honor of uh, bringing the message today, and actually we're going to do a two-part message this week and next week, and uh, we're going to be talking about overcoming complacency. Overcoming complacency. Uh, Have you ever been stuck in the mud before? Whether with a vehicle or if you were walking through or you saw an animal that was stuck in the mud and they just can't get out. And uh, complacency is kind of like getting stuck in the mud. You're in it and you're like, I can move a little bit, but I'm just kind of like, I'm not moving very fast or I'm moving too slow. Complacency. And uh, why complacency? Complacency is not necessarily like a a feeling, like you wake up one day and go, hey, I'm going to be complacent today. No, it's not that. It's not not an emotion like, oh, I'm just feeling complacent. I mean, I guess you could act like that, but complacency is more of like a state of being that maybe has different contributing factors. And uh, thinking about this complacency, there's two things. I I think that the Lord is calling us and he's showing us as believers, as a body of him, we're right, we're the body of Christ, so we're part of his body, two scriptures to help kind of set up why we're talking about complacency. Number one is Proverbs 1 verse 17, it says this, if a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. Proverbs 117, if a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away, right? You're like, I see it, I'm going to go the other way. Also, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So I believe that the Lord, the last number of weeks and over a period of time, is really stirring us as believers to not just live like life how we've always lived. You know, last week, man, powerful, powerful word about, right, receiving your promise and, and, and that it's, it's yours already. The Lord has already given it, but we got to fight for it. We got to step into it. We got to receive it. And so the Lord, I believe, is calling our attention as believers to get the junk out of our lives, to get the stuff out that might hold us back or might limit us because we've allowed something to maybe be there that shouldn't be there, okay? And so I believe the Lord is calling our attention to this. So uh, today, uh, day one, we're going to talk stuck in the mud, overcoming complacency, okay? Stuck in the mud, overcoming complacency. And again, that mud of being like, I'm in it, and I just, I need to get out. Have you ever seen a vehicle stuck and those tires just spin and spin and spin and spin and spin? Complacency can be like that in our life, spiritually, but also just in, in everyday life where I'm not getting anywhere. I'm just spinning, spinning, spinning because of I've allowed something in that I want to get rid of. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32 says this, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. 
Just keep that up on the screen, please. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Now, when it says the waywardness of the simple, here when it says simple, we're not talking like living life simple, like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to overcomplicate it. I'm just going to be simple about it. That's not what this simple is talking about. This simple here is talking about somebody who is gullible. They're naive in that they're, they, they're not really catching. They're simple-minded, like they're, they're, they're not filled in on something. They've got a gap. And so it says, for the waywardness, their, their way has gone crooked or uh, gone a different way. Of those simple people, those gullible people, it, it says it will kill them. It'll take them out. And then it goes on to say, and the complacency of fools, just say fool with me, fool, a fool, their complacency, it will actually destroy them. It'll destroy them, their complacency. And so as we talk about this, being stuck in the mud, I want to get out of the mud. I don't know about you. I know there's areas in my own life. We haven't even got all through these things. Now the Lord's already speaking to me. Hey, I got something for you. Okay, so as much as I'm speaking and sharing today, know the Lord is speaking to me too. So it's not a I'm preaching down at you or at you, but the Lord is wanting to speak something to us today, okay? So let's do this. Could we start by opening our hands and our hearts? And the reason being, and I do this every time, each day when I open my Bible, when I go to read, I'll say something like this, Jesus, speak to me today, because I need to hear a life-changing word. And I'll just often tell the Lord, my ears are open to hear, my eyes are open to see, And my heart is open to receive from you. And so, Lord, we say that here today in this place. Lord, I pray that my voice would would disappear, that people aren't hearing that, but they would hear the Holy Spirit speak a customized word to them today, where they're at, what they're dealing with, what they're facing. Lord, I know that you have something that you're trying to get to people. You're trying to get them life. You're trying to get them moving in your direction, on your path, God. And so we say we're open to receive from you today. We say, Holy Spirit, come and minister to us. Help us to catch the word. And we thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So many times complacency, complacency can happen all the time, ongoing. You might get out of it. You might like feel, hey, I'm doing really, be- I'm, I'm doing really well. And a couple weeks later, or even days or even hours, you're kind of just back stuck in the mud again. Okay, so we have a, a little short video uh, that I want to, uh, to, to play and show, and I think it's going to help illustrate what complacency can do in our lives, okay? So I think we're ready to go. Okay, watch it. Okay, so there's a sheep stuck in this little small, like, gully ravine, right? You can tell when he pulls him out, he's all muddy, right? Muck and mud. He gets him out, and what does he do? He runs and jumps right back into the same junk. 
I love, though, the end. He's like, forget it. He just walks away. He's like, this is pointless. I'm going to take him out. He's going to do the same thing again. So have that picture in your mind as we talk today about what complacency does, that it kind of, we can get out of it, but if we're not careful, we'll go jump right back into that same little junk, okay? So we don't want to do that, right? We want to keep moving forward. We want to stay out of that because we don't want... Now, the Lord doesn't look at, it, at us this way. The Lord is not like the person that pulled the sheep out, and then he's like, forget it. I can't help him. But you could see, like, we could think of the Lord that way. Lord, don't just let me jump back in and be stuck in that. I want to live free, okay? So keep that in your mind, okay? That picture of that sheep going back right into the jump. So let's do this. Complacency. How do we overcome it? Number one, we have to define what complacency is. And the definition of complacency is this. It is self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. Okay? Self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiency. So it's like self-soothing, self for me. I want it, I need it, it's for me. But it's to the detriment of the individual in that they're even unaware of actual dangers or maybe even deficiencies that they have themselves. So the driver of complacency is, is self, but it usually leads to one, one's own detriment. So I want to do this today. I want to give you three levels of complacency, okay? And hopefully, I know that none of you fall into any of these categories, okay? So I'm just speaking out there. We're putting it out there. But three levels of complacency. Level number one is this, indifference. Indifference. So we're talking about complacency and this first step of indifference, okay? Okay? And if we were to define indifference, it's this. It's the absence of compulsion to or toward one thing or another, okay? Indifferent. You're just kind of like, eh, eh, right? Sometimes you're with somebody and you go, hey, do you want to go to dinner? And they're like, sure. Or you go, hey, what should we have for dinner? Let's make something. And then you go, well, what do you want to have? And they're like, oh. And you're like, well, should we grill some burgers on, uh, you know, have a hamburger or some hot dogs? And you're like, eh. <laughs> well, how about we, we got some things for, how about we do like a salad and we'll, we'll, we'll cook some chicken and put it on there? Eh, okay, huh. And 37 options later, they're still doing the same thing. I don't know anybody like that. But that's what indifference is like, okay? So indifference, first level complacency, you're just kind of in this place of like, ah. You're like, it's not, you're not being pushed one way or the other. You're just kind of like, eh, it's okay. Revelations chapter 3 verse 16 says this, and it's Jesus speaking to the church. And he says this to an individual church. He says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm. If there's anybody in here who likes hot coffee, if you like hot coffee, okay, 
I'll raise both of my hands and my feet, okay? I like hot coffee. Or if you like cold coffee, that's cool too. But if you're in the middle, we're going to have to talk and work with each other, okay? Or tea, if you're a tea drinker, right? I don't know of anybody that, you know, prepares tea and you're going to have iced tea and you just let it sit out and you're kind of like, yeah, it's kind of there. I'd, for me, I'd rather have the hot tea and it soothes my throat and it tastes good. Or I have cold tea in ice, right? And it, oh, it's refreshing. That feels good. Here, Jesus is speaking to the church and he says, so because you're lukewarm, you're kind of in this temperature, like being indifferent, where you're just kind of like, eh, eh. You're just like, uh, I don't know. It's cool, yeah. I'm just, right? It says you're not being pushed one way or another. You're not driven by one thing or another. You're kind of lukewarm. Uh, there's a reference, and maybe you can write this reference down. Reference is Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. We're not going to read all of it or talk about it, but uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 7 is the parable of a kingdom of heaven and a landowner. And the landowner, it says he goes out in the morning time, early in the morning, he finds some people in the marketplace and he says, hey, come work in my field, I'm going to pay you pay you money, go work, and they go start working. And he does that a few more times, and he continues throughout the day to find people just standing around, and he's like, what are you doing? You should come work in my field. And finally, it says uh, later in this section of scripture that it's like 5 p.m. in the day, and you're like, the day is done, the work day is done, I started at 7, I'm done at 5 at 5 p.m., it says the landowner goes out and he still finds people standing around. And he says to them, why are you standing around? Why are you not working? And they're just like, because no one hired us. No one came and found us. Like, no one was pushing me, hey, you should work. I have to push my boys sometimes. I'm going to call you all out. You got it. You know it. Call y'all out. Sometimes they don't ever do this, but it's their friends that do it. Where I'm like, hey, your friends, you should come mow my lawn because it's lawn. And what does dad end up doing? Dad ends up mowing the lawn. Right? Because there's just not this motivation, this push of like, hey, I should do it. You're just like, ah, I have no real reason to push me and to do it. And so the kingdom of heaven is like that landowner that goes out five o'clock in the day. And he goes, why have you been standing here all day doing absolutely nothing? And they're like, well, no one hired us. And they're like, go find some work. What are you waiting for? They obviously had nothing else to do. And it's the same way with us. Indifference, the first level of complacency is this, indifference. We can become indifferent where we're just like, ah. And I, say, I said that example of food, like you're trying to decide where to go to, to a restaurant or maybe you're deciding what to make and you're just like, ah, whatever. But that can happen in any area of our life where you can just become indifferent. You're just like, ah, should I read my Bible today? Ah, ah, maybe I'll, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But there's, there's no drive to do it. And so we have to be mindful and careful of complacency. It'll creep in. It starts by this. It starts by going, eh, eh. I don't really have a strong pull. Level number two is this. 
Level number two is laziness. Laziness. Being lazy. And the definition of lazy or laziness is this. That you're disinclined to activity or exertion. You're disinclined. You're like, I'm good. I'm good. You're like, I don't even want to do that. Hey, you should come to the lake with us today. No, I'm good. I'm good. Lazy or laziness. Disinclined to activity or exertion. Not energetic or vigorous. And an example of laziness, as we all know, is like the lazy child that tries to avoid household chores. I did it. Oh, you know, mom or dad comes around and asks you, hey, I need you to, whatever it would be, I need you to take out the trash. Oh, yeah, um, I've got homework I need to do right now. Hey, it's June. There's no school right now. Oh, yeah, I'll get to it at some point, right? And then later on, the parents say, hey, did you do that, that homework you talked about earlier? Oh, no, I didn't. No, I haven't done that. No, uh-uh. <laughs> I just, I'm good, I'm good right now, I'm, I'm, I'm good with what I'm doing. And laziness is kind of that next level. So indifference starts with, eh, and it can morph in very quickly to laziness where you're like, I just, I don't want to do it. Like, no, nah, I'm good, I, I don't want to do it. And that lazy child trying to avoid household chores, again, it could be anything else. It could be you're at work and you're supposed to do a task. Anybody have those tasks at work where you're like, I'll do anything else before that because I just don't want to do that, right? Uh, re- recently, I had something, uh, well, actually, it was, it was toward the end of March of this year. I had a meeting for work that I was in, and my responsibility, my role in that meeting, a four-hour-long meeting, was to take notes to summarize the notes, to summarize the action items, and then to distribute them out to the stakeholders. I'm telling you, I did everything I could to not do those notes because I just don't want to do them. I was being lazy. I'm like, okay, yeah, I need to take this online course. It's in basket weaving, but (laughs) has nothing to do with my work, but I need to do something else. Or... Just like, hey, I I need to go walk the dog right now. I need to mow the lawn. It's the middle of the day. I should be working, but I just don't want to do it. I was lazy. Just call it as it is, lazy. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 says this. Lazy hands make for poverty. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring, well, so many times we have this idea, this thought of, it'll just come to me. That wealth will just come to me. I don't know about you, sometimes you're driving down the, the, the freeway, the interstate, and you look up and you see that billboard for Mega Millions or Powerball, and you're like, I could do a thing or two with that $70 million, and you start thinking, man, I could, I could do this or that, I could... I could buy a beach house. I could, no, 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 come, come back, right? right? Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Why? Because you probably heard of stories of people that have millions and millions of dollars, 
and they squander it all. Why? Because they get lazy. They're not doing anything productive. They get lazy and they spend all the money and they don't have anything left. So lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth, laziness. Secondly, Matthew chapter 25, verse 26, it's uh, Jesus here and he's speaking about uh, the parable of the talents and uh, the, the landowner, the, the, the king leaves some people, he leaves some talents with some individuals and he says, take this, I want you to do with something with it, I'll come back and check on you. And it gets to this in verse 26, Matthew 25, verse 26. And it says this, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. It's that story where he's like, I gave you a talent. You were supposed to do it. And it says the one with one talent took it and hid it in the ground. And he even goes on to say, you should have taken what I gave you and at least put it in the bank. At least give me some interest. Do something with it. But he calls him wicked and lazy. And so complacency, again, it can start with this, eh, but it gets into this, I just don't want to do it. Like I have no motivation to do anything. I just don't want to do it. I just, I'm lazy. And that's what happens. Again, another reference that you could write down and you could look at later when you have some more, t- some more time is earlier in that same chapter, Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, is the parable of the ten virgins. And the parable goes that there's ten virgins, five have their lamps ready with oil, and uh, their, their wicks are trimmed, they're prepared, they're ready, and it's really talking about people being ready for the second coming of Jesus. And it says, but there's also five others that they're kind of like, ah, we're good. It says they don't get their oil ready. They don't prepare their things. And they're just kind of like, I got time. It's good. I, I just don't have any motivation to do it. What happens is that he comes back and the Lord really welcomes in those who are prepared and says, come on in. Come and enjoy the reward that you have, eternal life with me. The door is shut and the others come and they're like, Hold up, let me in. And Jesus goes on to say, I don't even know you. And it comes back to the same idea that they become so lazy that they they don't even want to do anything. And the Lord's like, you can't live that way. So level two is this, laziness, complacency. Number one is uh, indifference. Number two is you go beyond being indifferent to lazy. I'm just lazy. And level three that we want to talk about is being a sluggard. A sluggard, okay? Bible talks about the sluggard. You can look it up in, in Proverbs. And it talks about the sluggard. And, uh, but we do want to define what a sluggard is. The definition of a sluggard is this. A habitually lazy person. They're not just lazy like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. They're like lazy in everything, in every area. It would be like the person, and you've seen it before, maybe even on a TV show or a movie or something like that, but somebody that is so lazy that they're sitting on the couch, they're watching TV, they've been on the couch for 15 hours watching TV, there's Cheetos and chips all over the the couch. I'm not speaking to anybody, I'm just telling you this is what happens 
People that play video games all night long, guess what? I've done it, so it's all good. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling me out, okay? But there's the empty bottles of soda, and there's the food that they've been eating, and it's all messy, and their hair is crazy, and they stink because they haven't moved from that position. That's a sluggard, okay? That's a sluggard. That's one example. Again, it can happen in any area of our life. You name it, look into it, and you can go, I can go to that level. And it seems absurd, doesn't it? I'm never going to be a sluggard, but we have to be careful because it can happen. It can happen to us in many ways, even spiritually. We can get to the point where we're so, let's say, consumed with ourselves that I can't even see anybody else. I can't see any needs. I can't see that somebody else is struggling. I can't see that the Lord wants to speak to me. I'm just so absorbed in myself, I've closed off everything else. So level three, sluggard, a habitually lazy person. Proverbs chapter 20, verse four says this. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look, but they find nothing. They're the people that show up and they're like, give me some food, but they won't do a lick of anything. It's, that's, what they, that's what Proverbs says. They don't plow in season. At the right time when they're supposed to work, when they're supposed to be preparing, when they're supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing, they don't do it. And then when it comes time and they need something, they're like, where's everything at? I need something. That's a sluggard. Proverbs 19 verse 24 says this, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. Wow. You go, that's extreme, but it can happen. Somebody is so lazy that they put their hand out to grab the Cheetos and they're like, I can't even bring it back to my mouth. I'm, I'm hungry, but I, I can't even, I can't get my hand out of the, di- like, you think it's crazy, but that's what happens. A sluggard can do that. And so levels of complacency, number one is indifference. Number two is it's laziness. It's kind of gone to another. And, and number three, a sluggard. Nobody wants to be a sluggard. And I, I don't think that most people show up one day and say, I want to be lazy. Maybe they do. I don't know. I would say, by and large, most people are not trying to get lazy, but it happens. They become lazy because they allow things, emotions to be indifferent. And they're like, I just I have no motivation. And then they go on to the next level and the next level and the next level. So let's, let's move on. Let's talk about this. We're done talking about levels of being lazy and indifferent and sluggard because nobody wants to stay there. But we want to talk about why does it matter. We need to understand why complacency, how it happens, and why does it even matter. Like, why are we even talking about this today? And I don't believe it's because it's just some word in the dictionary, but I believe the Lord is trying to go like, I got something for you. I need you to wake up. I need my people to be aware. I need my people to be awake because we can become even spiritually indifferent and lazy and even a sluggard. And the Lord, that's not what he has for us. So number, number one, for why does it matter is number one, believers have a new trajectory. Believers have a new trajectory, okay? So when you said yes to Jesus, 
You went from going this direction, and he's like, I've got a new direction for you. I've got a new way for you to live. I've got a new way for you to operate. I've got a new way for you to function. And that's what happened when we said yes to Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So Colossians, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. And these are two believers and he's like, guess what? In Jesus, you have a new path. In Jesus, you have a new way that you're supposed to walk. In Jesus, you have a new way that you're supposed to operate. You're not just supposed to operate like the rest of the world and be indifferent or lazy or be a sluggard. No, you have a new path and a new way because he has raised us with Christ. We died, we died, we died, right? When we, when we do baptism, what is baptism? It's an outward symbol of what ha- has happened on the inside. The, you go down in the water, it's a picture of you going down, your old life being done away, being buried, and you come up to what? New life in Jesus. That's what Paul is saying, and he's, he's trying to remind people, believers, that you have a new path, you have a new way to operate, you have a new way to live. Since then, you've been raised to Christ. And what does he say? Set your heart on things above. Because why? Complacency does this. If we go back and look at that definition, what is it? Complacency becomes all about you, all about self. It's all about what I want, what I need, what's comfortable for me. Well, I don't like that because this is what I like. And it becomes so much about us. But Paul is saying the exact opposite of that in that you should set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. It's interesting that he goes on to say that he's seated at the right hand, and then he goes on in verse 2, and he says, set your minds on things above, right? Our hearts are made fresh. Our hearts are made new, our spirit. But we also have this thing that we live in called the body, right? What is your body like to do? What's easiest, What's most comfortable? I'm telling you, the, the person that is most disciplined, if they don't stay on that, that discipline, if they don't keep motivating, if they don't keep pushing the envelope, what do they do? They settle back into what's most comfortable, right? If, if I say, I need to lose some weight, okay? This is for me because I, prob- I do need to lose some weight, okay? It's not, I probably do. I need to lose some weight, Okay? So if I say, this week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by walking every single day, okay? I'm going to start there. And I get in, and I do every single day, and I walk. Maybe even I walk twice a day, and I got a couple miles of walking in, and I'm like, okay, I'm feeling good. And the next Monday rolls around, and I go, oh, I just don't feel very good today. I'm just going to sleep in. And you do. Well, what happens? Tuesday rolls around, and you go, oh, yeah, it's raining outside. I can't walk in the rain. 
I don't have this thing called a coat that I can put on in a hat. It keeps the water off my face. I don't have this thing called an umbrella. Yeah, it's raining outside. I, I'm just not going to do it. And what happens? You don't walk again. I don't walk again. The next day, oh, I've got this early morning meeting. The next day, I've, I've got to be to this appointment really early. I've got to drop the car off. It's got to get an oil change. And what do you do? You have 25 days in a row of excuses. Why? Because I just settle back in to what is most comfortable. No, that's why Paul is saying, you've got to set your heart. Boom, 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 boom. I've got to set it upon what is in heaven. What is Jesus doing? What does he want? And I have to put my mind there too. Otherwise, I settle back into what's most comfortable. Why? Number three, in verse 3 of First uh, Colossians 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God, right? You died, your old person went away, you came up into new life, and guess what Jesus is like? Hey, you don't just belong to yourself anymore. I paid a price for you. A scripture also says that you've been bought with a price. You're not your own, right? You come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Direct everything you, that you want me to do, but let me be lazy at the same time. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. You either go, I'm going to keep living my life for Jesus, or I'm just going to be lazy and I'm not going to do it. No, Paul says, your life is hidden with Christ and God. You died to that old life, you're a new life. Number two, why does it matter? Why are we talking about complacency in those levels? Number two is this. God sets you up for life. God sets you up for life. Life like physical life, like living, healthy life. But he also sets you up for life. You hear that expression, man, they're set for life, right? You talk about money again. Somebody, let's say they have a family member that was really wealthy, and they pass away or they pass on an inheritance to that individual. And they're like, man, they got $20 million. They are set for life. They could spend thousands of dollars every single day, and they would still have so much money. They're set for life. Well, guess what? In Jesus, in God, you were set for life. You were set for life. You were set for life. But guess what? You still have to choose it. You have to choose it, right? Just like we have to choose, Jesus gave a free gift. He gave his life to anybody who will receive it. It doesn't cost you a thing except to say, I received that gift. Amen. But we have to choose it, right? You can't force it on somebody. I can't save somebody else, no matter how much I want to save them, right? You can think of individuals right now, coworkers, family members, neighbors, maybe even people in your household that don't even walk with the Lord, and you're like, Lord, I want them to know you. I want them to be saved. But as much as you want them, just that can't save them because they have to choose it. They have to open their heart and say, I will receive what you have. The same thing, God has set you up for life, but you still have to choose it. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says this. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Just say you. you. Now say me. Because you're the you in that me statement, okay? <laughs> right? You're the you. I'm the, I'm the you. Just say me. Okay? 
I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death. Okay? This is what God is saying to his people. I have given you, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Both of them are on the table. They're right here for you. Therefore, what does he say? Choose death. Right? No. How silly. He provides all these things. He doesn't call us out and go, hey, hey, you know what? I've done all this for you, and I just want you to choose death every day. No. What does he say? Choose life. Choose life. He doesn't say choose lazy. He doesn't say choose indifferent. He doesn't say choose being a sluggard. No. Choose life. Choose life. Why? That both you and your descendants may live. It's not just for you today sitting in the room. It's for somebody else too. Your descendants. Physical offspring. But it could be spiritual offspring too. Your descendants. People that come from you. And so the Lord is saying, I've got life for you, but you still have to choose it. Just like with complacency, we can get stuck in the mud and we could stay there, right? You've probably seen a picture of an animal or like a little video, right? The, the sheep that goes right back into that muck and that junk. They're so stuck that they can't move. And they won't even get themselves out. Uh, I'm from originally, I was born and raised in Minnesota, okay? Don't hold it against me. Born and raised in Minnesota. And in Minnesota, we have a lot of ice and snow, not a lot of mud. No, I'm just kidding. We have it there too, but it's covered under the snow for many parts of the year, right? But we have snow in in Minnesota. And I remember as a kid, we would go ice fishing, okay? Ice fishing. And I'm not just talking like you're standing on the shore and you throw it out on the ice. No, I'm literally talking... You walk out on the ice, you drill a hole in the ice, and you put your line in, and you fish. No. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll lift it another level, okay? Not only do we, back in Minnesota, I shouldn't say we because I don't live there anymore, but if I was there, I probably would be doing it. Not only can you walk out on the ice, but we're going to drive our car out on the ice, okay? It gets so thick. It gets so thick in the north that you can literally drive out on the ice with your truck, with your vehicle. And I'm talking big old stuff, too. Not these little dinky smart cars, you know, like, you know, two-person car, right? There's nothing in it. No, I'm talking like people pull out there with their big old dually trucks, and you're talking a lot of weight. And guess what they do? They don't just drive it out there, but then they sit in their cabin that's on the ice, too. It's called an ice house. But people, they deck them out like they have Wi-Fi in them. Like, it's craziness. They'll, they'll do it so they have power and heat. And you can literally eat and sleep and fish for days. Man, it stinks in there if you go in there after other people. But that's okay. But, but all that to say what happens is, is I remember one time we went fishing. And so I'm with my dad and I'm with uh, my siblings. And back in the day, you guys don't know these things well, some people would. Younger people would know these things. But in my day, my dad had a boat of a vehicle. It was a, a Buick, a Buick station wagon. And we're talking, you could fit nine people in that. Because the front, the front seat was a bench. 
and you're like, we can get at least three people, maybe even four up there, right? And we didn't wear seatbelts and all that kind of stuff back then. So you would pile a whole crew in there. The second, the second row, open the doors, that was another full row. You could get another 10 people in there, right? But I'm talking, you went all the way to the back. You opened the door that swung open wide, and you could fit more people. There was another seat back there. It was like a vintage Chevy Suburban where you could get a lot of people in there. But I'm talking, we drove that out on the ice, and I remember this one, one lake we would, we would go to a lot. It was about 40 minutes, 30, 30, 40 minutes from our house. We liked to go there because you good fishing and, and good pan fishing. And I remember this one time we were driving out there, and they have these areas where it's like a chain of lakes, okay? So there's one lake and a next lake, but they're all kind of grouped together. Well, in between those lakes, what happens is the ice moves a little bit, okay? It moves a little bit. And that particular time, we were driving from one lake to the other in this channel, out on the ice, mind you, not on the road that goes around the lake, but on the ice, okay? We get out there. And then... Uh, by the way, the day before, it was a little warm, okay? So the, it started to melt a little bit on top. Not below, okay? But what happened, our vehicle got stuck out here on the ice. And I'm serious. We were scared for our life. We're like, we're going in. We're going in. This is going in. But guess what? No, it's all good, okay? There was still, you know, a foot and a half of ice beneath that. But what happened is there was just some surface water, but we got stuck, okay? That vehicle got stuck. And guess what? We couldn't push that vehicle out. Nothing, you know, you push on the, you push on the gas, the, the car doesn't go anywhere, it just spins because there's nothing, there's no traction for that vehicle to get up that little hump and, and get moving. What we had to do is then the tow truck had to come out and pull that vehicle out of that spot, Okay? So those pictures, these things about how we can get stuck in the mud with complacency, again, it's not just an emotion, it's not just a, a feeling that can have, it's just, it's like a state of being where you become indifferent, you become lazy, you become a sluggard, and the Lord is like, I got so much more for you. I got so much more, I put you on a different path. Look at it, put your, put your heart, put your, your mind as though you're seated with me in heavenly places. And I have life for you and I want you to choose life. Why it's so important where he talks about in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 where he says, I, I choose life, I have blessing and cursing. If you go back just a couple chapters in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 28, there's this whole long chapter of the blessings and the curses that God puts out to them. And guess what? The curses are about three times as much as the blessing. And it's almost like God is like saying, I'm stacking the cards against choosing death because I want you to choose life. He's not against you, but we have to choose it. We have to choose to like, hey, I, I want to recognize that I, maybe I've been complacent. Maybe I've allowed something to build up in me and I don't want to live there. I don't want to operate there. I want to walk in what Jesus has for me. So we have to recognize that believers, I have a new trajectory, I have a new direction, right? It's not just this way, it's that way. I have a new way. And God set you up for life, but you have to still choose it, okay? So let's do this today. We're, we're done. We're, we're going to, would you come? We're going to sing just a little bit. 
but we want to allow the Lord to speak to us, okay? And again, I don't bring this because I have anybody in mind that is indifferent or lazy or sluggard. I, it's not those things, but I think, I, I know that the Lord is speaking and saying that I, I have more for you. Son, daughter, body of Christ, I have more for you. And what I'd like for us to do today is take just a few minutes. We're going to take maybe three, four minutes at the most, three or four minutes, just on your own. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, is there any place in my life that I've become complacent? Is there any place that I've become at that stage of where I'm just like, eh, whatever? Or, or maybe I look at it and I go, man, I've become lazy. Or perhaps you're even at that point where you're like, man, I'm so lazy, I won't even lift my hand to feed myself. But let's respond and, and ask the Lord. And just on your own, and what I'd like you to do is that if there is anything that the Lord highlights to you, write it down for yourself, not for me, not for anybody else, but that you would write down and capture, because I believe the Lord is speaking today. He's trying to get something. He's trying to say, I want you to choose life, not death. I want to pour up my blessings on you, not curses. But we have to choose it. We have to say, Lord, I see myself as being seated with you. My heart, my mind, I want to set upon Jesus. And so just take maybe, again, about two minutes now and just say to him, in your own words, in your own way, Lord, is there any area in my life where I need to respond to you today? Is there any area, God? Lord, we say, Holy Spirit, we're open to you. Our hearts are open. Our hands are open to you just as a sign of like, even as that picture of somebody laying on the operating table. They have the person open. They're, they're doing some kind of major surgery. We're just saying, Lord, we're open to you. Our heart or life are open to you today. Speak to us today. Lord, we don't want to live in those areas of complacency. We don't want to be indifferent. We don't want to be lazy. We don't want to be a sluggard. But Lord, we want to understand that complacency can happen to us, but we want to walk in what you have for us today, God. So speak to us today. Now what we're going to do is I'm going to stop talking and for about 60 seconds as the music is just quietly, just open your ears, but open your heart and let the Lord speak to us today. thank you, Lord, that you came to this earth and you lived the life that we were supposed to live. Thank you, Jesus, that you died the death that we should have died. 
we thank you, Lord, that you died in our place. And so, Lord, we turn to you today and we say, Lord, we want all of what you have to offer. Perhaps today there's somebody in this room that you've never said yes to Jesus, and I just want to tell you, he's got a free gift. He's got free life for you. And all you have to do is open your heart and say, I want to receive it today. I choose what you have for me today. For many others today, it might just be, Lord, we're hearing what you're speaking to us, and we say, we want to choose your life, Lord. We don't want to live in complacency. We want your life and your presence to flow in us and through us, oh God. We want to live life to the full. We want to live life, as Jesus said, life abundantly to the full, to the max, to the, to the full throttle. Lord, we want to live in you. And so, Lord, we praise you today and we bless you. Lord, I thank you that you're speaking today, helping us to catch some things. And we worship you and we bless your name, God. We thank you today. If there's anybody here today that has never said yes to Jesus, it's just real simple. And in your own words, you can just say, Jesus, I need you today. I recognize that I don't want to live those pictures of laziness or being a sluggard, but I, I want to have something fresh and real. Maybe today you're like, I need something real in my life. I don't want to experience fake anymore. I don't want to experience fake people or fake things. I promise you, Jesus is real today. And it is real just simple in your own words, say, because it says in Romans chapter 10, that if we would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts. So that's why it's a two-parter. You have to use your words and you have to say, Jesus, I want to receive you. And it's from your heart that you say, be Lord of my life, come into me. I, I want to live a new way, a different way. And I'll let you on your own words just say, call out to him. And maybe you're doing it for the first time today. And we want to celebrate and we want to applaud you today. But for the rest of us, again, we want to walk, Lord, in all that you have for us. And we praise you today. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. <laughs>